Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the third installment of a series we're calling Out of the Box. And I'm so glad that you've joined us here today. And to all of you guys watching online, you're our church family, too, and, and we love you. Hey, would you guys do me a great favor and greet all of those watching online right now? That's awesome. Hey, including some of our college students, you know, a shout out to Ellie Thompson at IU. Hey, give her a great hand. Hey, you know, we love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Now let me just remind you about our Christmas services that are coming up. Our team is working on what I think are going to be some of the best services of the entire year. It was our highest attended service last year with almost 4,000 people attending. And this year we're going to have 10 services. And we've put invitations in your program to help spread the word. There's even more at the desk if you want more. But even better, why don't you take your phone out in church right now. I give you permission, get your phone out and just text three people right now and just say, Will you come with me? And then put in this link. Will you come with me? And then put in www.heartlandchurch.com slash Christmas. Now, if you do that and you text that right now, people are going to respond to you right now and say they're coming with you. And there's just something about the Christmas season that just starts to soften people's hearts. And I believe people already know that they should come back to church and you can be the catalyst to help make that happen. So, you know, the message of hope that God has put in my heart is called the miracle of a second chance. And there are many people that need to hear that message. So just go ahead and text them or pass out those invitations because we want them to be here. Now, now these last two weeks, we've started this out of the box series and it's just been amazing. We, we kicked off phase one of our Love Indiana initiative, which is a food drive. And we've been asking you to take these boxes home, go shopping, and the goal is bring them back here next weekend. And here's what's truly out of the box. You guys took over 2,500 boxes already. That is beyond what we've ever done, and we've still got some left, just a few, and they're no good sitting here. So help us spread them all over the city. And, you know, you don't have to bring them back to Heartland. You can take them to someone in need on your street or to the food pantry that your company supports. I mean, just use the box as a tool to get other people to join you. And You know, at this rate, with all of our partner churches, we're going to see 44 tons of food given to those in need this Christmas. And, and that's just so awesome. And I love you. I love you so much. You guys are incredible. Go ahead and give yourselves a great hand. That's right. You're just amazing. So thank you, thank you, thank you for taking all, this, uh, taking all these boxes for all this food. And then at the Christmas services, you know, the entire offering for all 10 of these services are going to be given away. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if we could give a quarter of a million dollars into our community and to our international partners in this season? Now, these are longtime partners. It's, it's people who are vetted. They're extraordinary organizations. And, and here's just a snapshot of what we get to do together. We're going to provide operating costs for our nonprofit partners because everybody knows the challenge. Everybody wants to give to the homeless. But no one wants to pay the office costs, and we get that. So we're going to fund the back office stuff so that our partners are free to fundraise. And we're going to do things like fund staff positions, like what staff position would make the difference for you? Uh, go hire that person, and we're going to fund a whole position uh, for some of our organizations. And we're going to create jobs uh, faster than the federal government, we always say. So this is an awesome uh, thing to do. We're going to supplement emergency housing costs for low-income families. Uh, we're going to provide mentoring initiatives for at-risk teenagers in our own community. And boy, do we need to do that right now. So I'm excited to partner uh, with these uh, intervention groups, the mentoring groups that are here in our local community. Um, you can find these specific groups just by picking up the, the form 
uh, at the desk in the lobby, or you can go on our website online and get the whole PDF there. But, but we're going to provide uh, mentoring initiatives for at-risk youth, and we're going to provide housing for homeless children uh, through Family Promise. It's hard to believe that the average age of homelessness in this city is nine years of age. So we're going to do something great there, and we're going to fund the Gennesaret Medical Clinic, which provides uh, free medical care for people who just don't have it or don't have health insurance, and it's an awesome thing to be a part of. Now, on the global side, near and dear to all of our hearts, if you've been watching the news, is Sierra Leone is at the epicenter of the Ebola crisis. And I've already lost friends to this epidemic, personal friends, because we've been partnered for years with World Hope International, who are on the front lines of this ep epidemic. And they're leading the way and being a catalyst um, for, 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 for uh, real help in that environment right now. Now, you have made the difference in providing over a million dollars of funding for clean water in this country, together with the Rotary Club of Fishers and many other organizations. And I'm proud to say that this Tuesday, our 100th water well will be completed. That is incredible that God has used us to put 100 water wells in that country. And you know what? God really sent us ahead of that crisis. Our teams on the ground are telling us that clean water and massive hydration is the critical element to the Ebola response. I mean, that's all you can do. There's no vaccine, but, but through clean water and massive hydration, people have a fighting chance if they can get to a medical clinic. So we've already sent $100,000 for new medical clinics. Um, actually, it's $10,000 in, in our money, but it's $100,000 in their economy, okay? So, so we've sent $10,000 already, which is going to translate into $100,000 of buying power in their economy. And they're going to use that to get more medical supplies and set up more clinics and provide a clean water source in every area. Now, I want to send another $10,000 in December to provide packages for children who are orphaned by Ebola. You know, when those kids, when their parents are gone and they burn everything in the home, they, they don't leave anything to chance, so those kids are left with nothing. But our teams on the ground are making sure that every child is cared for and we can fund that need right now. And that's why this offering is so important. There will be no overhead fees, no shipping costs, no administration fees, nothing will stay here at Heartland Church. It's really the best investment because 100% of the offering is going to go directly uh, to those who are in need. And again, stop by the website or pick up uh, the, the, the PDF there at the desk because you'll want to know these amazing organizations. And, and I need you to prepare because you say, how's this all going to happen? Well, I don't know how it's going to happen, but when we prepare for a miracle, God does the miracle. And so I want you to prepare for that offering and we're going to do some incredible good together. Because this is the big idea of our whole series. It's totally out of the box to try something this big. But we're calling you to get out of the box of inadequacy and reluctance and, and even past your blind spots to step out on faith and do extraordinary, exceptional things, greater things for God's glory. So let's read our theme verse together. Jesus said this. It was recorded by John the Apostle in uh, John chapter 14, verse 12. Read it with me together. Verse 12. Very truly, seriously, I tell you, Whoever has faith in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I'm trying to get you to open your eyes to the possibilities of just doing great things with your life, to not just settle for the box and just go along with everybody else, but to be a nonconformal, unconventional person who can think outside the box with a new perspective. I mean, to be a person where instead of just seeing problems, you're a person of vision who sees what could be and should be and ought to be, you know, instead of just what is. And the secret to living a life of greater things is to realize that you have influence. 
I've told my kids every day before school, and they laugh because I say the same, th the same thing every day. I want you to think about the environment you're about to head into, all the unkindness and the pettiness and the blood-sucking gossip and the teenage girl drama. <laughs> you know, now, now think about who you are because you're a leader and you're not a follower. You know, culture wants to influence, influence you, and, and, and you're to be an influencer, though, of everybody that you meet today. I tell them, you know, you're not just a follower of your friends. You're a leader of your friends. You have the ability to change someone's life. I mean, you can alter the climate of every classroom you walk into, and you get to love people well today. Because the world is going to pull you down to the lowest version of yourself, but you have the chance to lead up and lead people to be the best version of themselves. So then we pray over them and we launch them out and we say, you know, go Sheskies. And they hate that part, but we do it anyway. And, and, and you can do that, right? You can love well and you can be a leader, not a follower. And you're going to succeed today uh, in your own life because you are a person of influence. You say, well, Darren, I wish I had someone like that to encourage me every day. And, you know, you do have that. Go back and listen to week one of this message where I explain how to get in the presence of God yourself every day. Because it's true. I'm not going home with you. But... We are here to inspire you on the weekend and to prepare you to go out and get in the presence of God, worship Him every day, and then lead up using the positions of influence that God has given you. And you know, you could say this, you know, I know, Darren, I'm really inspired every time I come, every time I'm here, I'm so encouraged, I really want to make a difference, but you know, wow, I'm just so busy. I mean, you're talking about all this great stuff, I'm just trying to make it through today. I got so much to do. I've got so much responsibility. I mean, yeah, I'd like to get into a group at church, and I know I'd like to get more involved, and maybe some of you felt guilty. You know, you've been here a long time, and you say, you know, one of these days I'm going to do it, but you don't know how you're going to fit one more thing in your life. You know, I don't want you to feel more guilty. I mean, this is a guilt-free zone. I, I know you're working so much. You're trying to make ends meet, and lots of stuff is going on. But if you are one of those people who say, you know, every time I come, my heart is inspired, and I want to do great things, but, well, you know, maybe after the new year when things calm down, can I just tell you, things are never going to calm down, and life is never going to get less busy. So when Jesus says, look, seriously, I'm going to the Father so that you can do even greater things than I did, well, the secret is going to be in learning how to leverage the influence that you have today with the people you know right now in the place where you are right now with the passions that you have right now to make a difference for the kingdom. Now, if you can understand your God-given influence, you're going to make a difference beyond what you've ever dreamed. And, and I've asked Pastor Jared Moore, our executive pastor, to continue this conversation today. He's the leader of our staff. He's the primary implementer of our vision. And as a graduate of Southwestern Theological Seminary, he's one of the most uh, bright and outstanding young leaders in our nation. In fact, people call him from all over the nation just to get his insight at, at his age. He's a person of great influence, and he has a word from the Lord that you need to hear. I want you to open up your hearts and put your hands together and give a great welcome to Pastor Jared Moore. Yeah. Well, thank you, Pastor Jared. Really excited and grateful for the opportunity to, to continue the conversation with you today. Uh, that's what we're talking about, our influence. Are we making the influence? Are we making our influence, right, lasting? You know, the other day, I'm lying in bed with my wife at night, and she looks over and asks me a question, and she says, Jared, am I a good mom? Am I a good wife to you? Now, husbands, you know, if your wife asks you that question, you're supposed to jump on that answer and say, well, of course you are. I was just, it caught me off guard. So I was like, where is this coming from? And then she turns on her iPad and said, well, I've been reading this mommy blog. How many of you know what a mommy blog is? Right? It's a terrible thing. It's this woman who has tons of time on her hand and writes 50 recipes and um, how to decorate your home right and all the things to do with your kids. And Now, this is Thanksgiving night. Like Thanksgiving is finished and house is put back together. 
And she turns on the, the mommy blog and she says, look it, this lady had 50 craft ideas to do with your kids for Thanksgiving. And we didn't do one craft with our kids for Thanksgiving. And I'm like, thank God we didn't do one craft with our kids for Thanksgiving. The glitter, the paper, I just start to itch when I think about all of that. And then she said, now look at the next post that she's already written. 50 ways to turn your Thanksgiving leftovers into mini masterpieces. Now we had lunch at one o'clock, so by 10 o'clock, I've already had leftovers twice. And she said, Jared, you just put them in on the plate, in the microwave, push start, and you haven't done anything special with these leftovers. And by the way, that's just the way I like my Thanksgiving leftovers, just plain and right from the, you know, green bean casserole, just reheat that thing, you're good to go for a couple of weeks. I'm like, that's okay. Of course you're a good mom. Of course you're a good wife. And she just looks at me and says, I just don't feel like I am. Like, why do I even bother? Why do I even bother to try all these things when I can never live up to what other people are doing? Now, now dads, I don't think there's a daddy blog out there. I mean, there, maybe there is. I mean, if, if, maybe I should start one. How about that? But there isn't a daddy blog, but we still feel that same kind of insecurity, don't we? We still read a magazine article and, and hear of a young rising leader who's doing some incredible things all over our nation. And we look at what we're doing and we think, man, am I doing, what am I doing? Does it, it really even matter? Like, why do I even bother with some of the things that I am doing? Because look at these other people and look at how much they're accomplishing and what they're doing. And what I'm doing doesn't really even matter. Or maybe we think, man, I've accomplished so much in my life and I'm looking back now and I'm wondering, with what I've done, has it even made a difference? Like, what's the legacy that I'm leaving my kids and my grandkids and in my community? Like, are people even going to know that my life existed, brief blip on the timeline? Are people even going to know my name when it's all said and done? I think this is just a tension that all of us feel, isn't it? We all feel if, if we're good enough. We all wonder if what we're doing is making a lasting difference, regardless of our stage of life, regardless of how old or young or if we're just starting in our career for a stay-at-home mom, I think we all wonder if what we're doing really matters. And because of that, sometimes it just leaves us stuck and paralyzed in our fear because at the end of the day, we just compare ourselves and we say, I don't even know if this matters, if what I'm doing is even making, making a difference. You know, Pastor Darren teed this sermon up so well when he said, no, that all of us are influencers. All of us can influence isn't that true? Even right around you, right where you are, you're either influencing something or someone positively, negatively, or neutrally. I mean, that's a little in action. But we're all making a difference or having an influence on something and somewhere. And I just believe this in my heart, that all of us want to break out of the box of limitation. We all want to break out of this box of insecurity and not feeling good enough and wondering what if to this life of, of greater things, don't we? I think we all want to make a huge difference in the life and the world around us, but some of us are just stuck. We're paralyzed. We don't know where to begin. We don't know how to start. So today, we're just going to walk through a story in the Scripture in Acts chapter 16. It's a really cool story with a really cool verse with a really cool word. And we're going to talk about just how we can make a difference in the world around us because all of us have a circle. All of us have people, place, and passions that we put those things together that we can make a difference. We can break out of the box. We can live this life of greater things. Acts chapter 16, we begin to read the story. And Luke is just giving the account of what happened to Paul and Silas. And Luke just picks up the, the story in verse, verse 16 and he says this. He says, one day, 
as we're going down to the place of prayer, and they're just continuing their ministry, okay, they're just doing the next thing. We met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. Basically, he's saying this girl is demon-possessed. That's what we would say today. And she sees visions, she has these thoughts, and she's seeing the future, and she's telling the future, and people are believing her, and what she's saying is actually coming, coming true. So this demon is giving her this ability to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by, by telling fortunes. So she's not just having an impact by herself and people, but people are getting rich off of this little girl. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. <laughs> she wrote, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Now, this girl wasn't shouting this, this praise for them and you know, extolling them and saying, hey, listen to what they're saying. She's doing this to, to expose them, to expose them for what they are. I mean, it, same thing true in our culture, right? If Pastor Darren, it's Christmas season, so if he walks into, or into the mall over here, Hamilton Town Center, and there's a person that just is following him, and he, they just shout, this is Pastor Darren Chesky from Heartland Church. Listen to what he says. Believe, and you'll be saved. I mean, the first time, you would think, well, that's really weird. But for that to continue over and over and over again, you can imagine the frustration that you would experience or even put yourself in that. Like if someone was following you everywhere you went and just like, hey, this person, he's a business owner. You know, take, get business. Maybe some of you would like that, right? Um, but <laughs> this is so frustrating, so annoying that this little girl is just following around Paul and Silas and saying, listen to these men. They're men of the Most High God. Listen to them. Trying to expose them. Trying to make their message void or it fall on deaf ears. Verse 18 says, this went on day after day. I mean, get that picture in your mind. Day after day, until Paul got so exasperated, that's just a really nice way to say, he's so ticked off that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And instantly the demon left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul, they grabbed Silas, and they dragged them before the authorities. They dragged them before the police at the marketplace. And the whole city now was in an uproar. I mean, this girl had an influence, not just on herself and on people that she was telling the fortunes to and her masters, but she's having an impact on this whole entire city. This whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. It was a Paul and Silas. They shouted to the city officials. They shouted to the police. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. Just a fraction of the truth. Not true at all. But a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. Now this crowd just continues to grow. And the city officials ordered them stripped, ordered them beaten with wooden rods. And they were severely beaten, really to the point of death, unrecognizable. And then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure the wardens, you know, make sure these men do not escape. If we, they escape, we're going to have more riots on our hands. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. In the most secure place in all the prison, right in the middle, no sun. It is as dark and damp and dreary and depressed as you could possibly be. Paul and Silas find themselves in this area. And verse 25 says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and catch this, and the other prisoners 
were listening. I think you would all agree, right, that Paul and Silas are having one of those days. (laughs) I read a book when I was little, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Many of you have read that too, right? This is Paul and Silas's Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. This is as bad as it gets. Thrown into prison, they're just mad at this little girl, and this little girl had such power and influence over the whole town that they're thrown and beaten and, and thrown into prison. In the middle of their depression, in the middle of this terrible, horrible day, Paul and Silas take a minute around midnight, and they're praying and they're singing hymns to God. And look how the look how it begins to turn. And the other prisoners are listening. They're having an influence. They're having an impact on those that are around them. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations and all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. I could preach this right here, but did you know this, that gratitude, just as we learned last week, that gratitude still breaks the chains of depression in your life. That gratitude and and praise can still break the frustration that you're experiencing. And and Pastor Brian last week preached an incredible message on that. That, hey, that moment, you may not be able to change your experience. You may not be able to change your circumstances that are around you. But just turn on the gratitude and watch and see what God will do in your life. And Paul and Silas just say, hey, we're going to pray. And we're going to praise and give thanks to God. And look what happened. The chains fell off. And not only did it fall off on Paul and Silas, but the chains fell off on all the prisoners. That you could have an impact and an influence with your praise and your thanksgiving on not just yourself, but on people that are around you. And that'll preach. Gratitude will set you free. Verse 27, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors were wide open. And he assumed that the prisoners had all escaped. So He drew his sword, was going to commit suicide, was going to kill himself. But Paul shouted at him. He said, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer, think about this. The jailer's been hearing what's been happening. The jailer's heard the praying and the praising and the thanksgiving. The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought him, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What do I need to do to have what? what you have. How can I get some of this praise and thanksgiving when you have no business showing gratitude? And Paul and Silas replied, they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, here's what I want you to catch, and you'll be saved along with everyone in your, say that last word with me, your household. Circle that word, underline that word. We're gonna camp out on that word for just a minute. But Paul and Silas are having such an impact and an influence that this jailer gives his life to Christ. And Paul and Silas say, now the same impact that we've had on your life, you go and have an impact on those around you. This word household doesn't mean physical or literal church or, you know, home, four walls and a roof. It doesn't even mean, hey, if you get saved, then everybody else in your family will get saved. That's not not what it's saying. This word household is the Greek word, I looked it up this week, oikos, O-I-K-O-S. It means relational covering. It means, hey, jailer, what you've just experienced, the grace that has just come to you, you can now give and show that same grace and this same peace and this same mercy 
to those in your relationships, in your relational covering, that you can go and have an impact and influence on those in your circle. And the same thing is true for us, friends. The same grace and the same mercy and the same love that we've experienced, we can be just like this jailer. We can go and take what we've had and go and have an impact on the world around us. That's how we break out of this box of limitation to this life of greater things. So how do we do this? How do we break out of this box? How do we move from limitation to this life of, of greater things? There's three questions that we're gonna have to ask ourselves in order for us to understand the influence that God is calling us right now, right here in our life. Now, these three questions come from Pastor Chris Hodges, and they're great, they're super clear, they're, they're, they're really smart, you're gonna be able to, to memorize them, I believe that, that's why I didn't wanna change it. And the study's mine, but his points are, are so clear that they were fantastic. There's three questions that we're gonna ask ourselves this morning. How can we have an impact and an influence and live this life of greater things? The first question you have to ask yourself is this, is who are my people? Who are my people? I mean, you have people. Just think about that. You have people in your life. It's your family. Maybe it's your immediate family or even your extended family. Your coworkers. You have coworkers. You have people in your neighborhood. You have people. And here's the thing. None of the people in your life are there on accident that God has strategically placed each person in your life on their 4A for a reason. As much as maybe we don't want to admit it, our family is our family on purpose. <laughs> our neighbors are our neighbors on purpose. And our coworkers, who we share um, our cube with or our office with, or we pass um, often in the hallway, they're there on purpose. They are our people. God has strategically placed those people in our life on purpose. Who are your people? Now, most sociologists will tell us that we have about 12 people in our circle of influence. Isn't that crazy to think? They come up with this idea that if you, um, on a normal week, just take all the people that you spent one hour or more with, I mean, legitimately one hour or more with a week, on average, some more, some less, but you're going to have close to 12 people in your circle. Uh, so this week I did that. I began to write down who are the 12 people um, in my life that I spend an hour or more a week with. And my wife, my two kids, we have one on the way, so that'll be four soon. And people that I work with in the office here, some of the mentors that I talk with on the phone or you know, through um, FaceTime, I mean, people that I legitimately spend a good hour a week with. And sure enough, it was right around 12. Some weeks it's a little bit more, some weeks it's a little bit less, but on average, there's about 12 people in my life that I spend with. My, that's my circle of influence. So I asked Amanda, I said, Amanda, my wife, I said, hey, why don't you do the same thing? We have a lot of the same friends, we go to the same church, we um, you know, hang out with all the same people. Who are your 12 people? And you know something, even with all the similarities that we have, her 12 people were different than my 12 people. Here's what I want you to understand, that no one else has the same 12 people that you have. Isn't that crazy to think? That your 12 people are unique just to you. So then here's the question that we have to ask. That if God has given us 12 people on purpose, not on accident, but 12 people in our life, 
Like, what do you think our responsibility is with those 12 people? What do you think God is calling us to do with the 12 people that he's ordered in our life? But Jesus even talks about this in Mark chapter 5. He says this. He says, no, uh, go home to your family. That same word, oikos. Go home to your circle of influence and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you. Like we have a responsibility to, to share the grace and the mercy and what God is doing in our life. We don't have to have every single Bible knowledge thing down to a T, so that paralyzes us sometimes. He's just saying, hey, go and tell them what the Lord has done for you. I mean, it's as simple as this. Tell them, hey, I'm trying to live this, this life of greater things. I know God's calling us to achieve more than I can even see. Just tell them that. Or, hey, this, our church, we're taking these boxes and we're giving them to kids in Indianapolis and fishers that are not going to have food to eat over Christmas break and I get to be a part of doing something great in our community or we're giving money to these community partners to fund operational costs so they can do more faster. I mean, it's as simple as just say, what is God doing in your life? And share the story. You have people, you have 12 people in your life that I don't have. I have 12 people that you don't have. No one has your 12 people. And we have a responsibility just to share with them what God is doing in our life. So who are your people? If you want to have a difference and live this life of greater things, make an, be a leader and have influence, you've got to ask yourself the question, who are my people? Number two, the second question you have to ask yourself is, where is my place? Where is my place? Where's my place? Now, we're here in Indianapolis and in Fishers, and some of you were born and raised here. This is home. You're never moving. This is it. Uh, my wife and I, we moved here two years ago. We're transplants. Like, we came from Michigan. In fact, when my wife and I felt a call to come to Indianapolis, I told my wife, hey, I feel like God's calling us from Michigan someplace else. And she said, I don't care where we go as long as it's south. In her mind, she thought Florida, Georgia, like Indianapolis just wasn't on the radar. But this is our place. How many of you are transplants? You guys have moved here. This is not, okay, wow, about half of us. Transplants unite. That's what I say. <laughs> Regardless if this is your home, you were born here, raised here, or you moved here, like this is our place. Like God has put us in this place for this moment to do something great in our lives. That job that you have, that's your place. That school that you attend, student, that's your place. The organization that you help with, that's your place. God has placed you in that moment that for, for this, to do something great. You know, so often, and I'm guilty of this, of always saying, okay, God, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next, God? And what's the next thing you're going to take us to? And what's the next promotion? As some of you may think that. What's the next promotion that you can go to? And what's the next step that you can achieve? And we always want what's next. We always want to go do the next thing. And I think it's just important that we understand, no, 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 God has us in this place, in this moment, for a reason, on purpose. We don't constantly have to wonder what's the next thing or worry. I said, God, I want to go to the next. Things are going to end up exactly as I wanted them to, and I'm not where I thought I would be. Well, maybe God has strategically just put you in that place around those people 
to do something you never thought possible. That place is your place on purpose. I think if we could just get a clear understanding of that and say, God, I want to do something great right where you have me. There's a verse, Psalm 90, 17. It tells us this. I think, I think it's just really helpful. I think if we just pray this prayer over us as we are in our place and around our people, do you think God could do something great? And, and it just says this, may the Lord God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Like right where we are, not wanting the next thing, the next step, but just right where we are, make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. Now, I, I think it's just too shallow for us to think that we're in our place just to receive a paycheck or just to pay our bills. Like God has you in that place for so much more than that. He wants to do something great through you in that place. We just have to say yes. And, here, and here's the liberating thing. I think this, is, this has spoke to me so, so much this week, is that we don't have to add a bunch of things to make this happen. We don't have to go and spend more time and more energy. I mean, we can just find out God has us in our place that if we just say, yes, God, use me. I want to follow you. I want to do what you ask. Like, think of what God would do right there in your life in this moment. I think of people in our community, they, in our church community, they just understand this principle. There's a lady named Ruth, and she's a part of a, a woman's neighborhood group, and they were just talking and having coffee in the morning, and she decided, we're going to turn this and, and make this group more on mission. So every week, they, they watch a sermon from Heartland. In fact, they're going to be watching it later on this week. Why don't you wave the cameras and say, hi, Ruth, hi, ladies, we're so glad that you're here, so glad you're going to do this. And they take a study guide that we give them, and they walk through, and none of these ladies attend Heartland Church. But Ruth just said, I have this moment, I have these people, this is my place, I'm gonna make an impact, I'm gonna make a difference. She has her place. There's principles in our area that have taken this and said, I can make a difference right where I am. I can't add a bunch of curriculum, but I can begin to change the culture. And I want every kid in our school to show gratitude and respect and integrity and purpose. We talk about that a lot here. And our kids and our, and our church learn that every single week, that grip, and you see the bracelets, gratitude, respect, integrity, and purpose. And now schools in our community here in Noblesville are being impacted, not adding a bunch of things, but just saying, hey, this is my place. I'm going to make a difference. Business leaders who are taking their performance reviews for their employees and adding one more step to it and actually caring for the people, not just the problems in their organization, but caring for people and saying, I want to live on purpose with, with these people. I mean, they're just taking their place and being missional about it and do it. That's as simple as that, that God is just calling us right in our place to do something greater. That's so liberating to know that we don't have to add anything else. We can just take what he's already given us and make a difference in our place. So what's your place? What's your place? And then lastly, the third question you have to ask yourself is this, is what is my passion? What is my passion? You have passions. I have passions. We all have passions. Some of you have one great passion. I mean, it keeps you up at night, and you see what is, and it shouldn't be, and you try to figure out ways to make things different. That keeps you up at night. It's a great passion. Some of you um, have great hobbies and, and different events in your life that you just are totally, your heart just, just immediately goes to that. You turn on the news, and 
You're drawn to certain cities, certain parts of the world. I mean, God's put those passions in your life for a reason. God's done that. Those are your passions. They're there on purpose. You know, in class 101, in Heartland, Discovering Heartland class, we talk about this a lot. That ministry is meeting the needs with love. That God has put passions in your heart. And ministry is so much more than these four walls. Like, go and, like, what, what makes you tick? Well, how are you wired? And go and have an impact and an influence what God has already put inside of you. And we'll support you. We'll help you. And we've seen this happen over and over and over again in the life of our church. Like, non-for-profits started because people have passion and are burdened about something. And they go and do it and having a major impact all over our city. Like God's done that. God's put that passion there. It's an incredible thing how it's played out. You know, Psalm tells us this. It says, take delight in the Lord, right? Take delight in the Lord. That just means, God, I worship you. I hold nothing back from you. I, do, I want to follow you, and I want you to be first place in my life and my heart. That's why we pray that prayer a lot here at Heartland. We hold nothing back. That's what, me, that's what take delight in the Lord means. Letting him just be God and letting him lead and guide your life. Just take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean that he'll give you what you want. It means he'll give you the want. He'll give you the desire, the passion to go and change the world, to go and make a difference in the world around you. But here's how this plays out even as simple as Sunday morning here at church. We all have different passions. We all see the world differently. But some of you walked into the building today and you saw maybe a chair that wasn't in its right place. And you have the gift of organization and administration and you immediately had to fix that chair because you weren't going to enjoy church until that chair was fixed. <laughs> While others of us, we just walked right on by it. Didn't even, didn't even notice. Or maybe others of you saw someone that walked into church by themselves and they sat in the corner by themselves. And your heart just immediately went to them because you had the gift of mercy and hospitality and you went and found out their story and what God's doing in their life. You, you're just wired that way. That's a passion. God's put that inside of you. Or others of you have the gift of leadership and preaching and you're thinking to yourself, man, I could preach this message way better than Jared. <laughs> That's okay. Like God's done that. God's put that passion inside of you. And I'm just saying, follow your passions. You want to make a difference in this world? You want to achieve this life of greater things? Well, follow the passions that God's put inside. He's done that. It's there for a reason. Don't ignore it. Don't squelch it. Don't think, oh, I'll do it later in my life. No, God's done that right now. You're in your place. Those are your people. And this is your passion. Go and make a difference. Live this life of greater things. So how do we do it? How do we live this life of greater How do we have an influence on the world around us? There's three quick points, and I'll be done. Number one is this. You, we change the world. We make a difference with my action. With my action. Look at these verses. I mean, Colossians, Paul just says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and be attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. My action matters. Like what I do matters. What you do matters. And Paul just says, hey, be wise. Like God has given us a lot of common sense. Just use it. Like live wisely. Like he's... 
Position the people around us. Be wise about that. Know that. You're in your place for a reason. Know that. Understand that. Be okay with that. And he has this passion inside of you. And what you do matters. That's how you make a difference. That's how you change the world. It requires just a couple of things. Time and energy. It just requires some time to have a conversation. Some energy, like walk across the, the driveway in your neighborhood. Don't always press the garage door and go down. Walk, like if you see your neighbor, walk over and have a conversation and let them know what God is doing in your life. I mean, be wise about that so that other people, right, will know what's going on. Paul says in Thessalonians, make it your goal, make it your ambition. Not that we've achieved it yet. Not that we're ever really going to achieve it, but we're on this journey. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business, working hard with your hands, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. Friends, what we do matters. Our actions matter. Number two, our time. My time. Now, we should see that what happens in our life is not an accident. Just really believe that. Like, nothing is random. That phone call, that email, that text message, that conversation in the parking lot, like, that's our time. That's the time that I'm to capitalize and make the most of that opportunity. It's not an accident. God's done that. And Psalm tells us that the Lord directs the steps of the godly and he delights in every detail of our life. And Proverbs says that we can make the plans, but the Lord determines our steps, like another translation when it says that we may roll the dice, but God ultimately determines where it falls. God has a plan and he's ordered our steps and we're here in our place for a reason. This is our time. This is our conversation. This is our phone call. That we can change. We can make a difference. We can influence our time. No one else has our time. No one else has that moment. It's our time. We can make a difference. I just think of my story. I had no idea two years ago that I'd be the executive pastor of Heartland Church. I had other plans and other uh, ideas of what God was calling us to do. And, you know, we just said yes to God. We just said, God, I'm going to take delight in you, and we're just going to say yes to the next thing you put in front of us and be obedient to what you're calling us to do. And God has ordained and, and made our steps to, to be in this moment at this time. And that's your story too, I'm sure. Like, I'm sure some of you, this is exactly how my life was going to go. I had it all planned out from the very beginning. This is not true. Like, God has ordered our steps and planned our world to look different than we thought. But here's the thing. Like, God's done that. He has the plan for you. We don't have to have it all figured out. We just have to be obedient to the things that he's calling us to do right now in our life. This is my time. It's my time. And lastly, it's my message. If we're going to change our circle of influence and break out of the box of limitation, we have to understand our message. And Peter tells us that if someone asks about your hope as a believer, like, always be ready to explain it. Like, be ready to explain what God is doing in your life. Be ready to share, hey, this is some really cool things our church is doing. We're just filling up boxes for kids and watch and see the doors open, the conversations open. And my story, my faith journey is a lot like this, and maybe some of you can relate, but I grew up in a pastor's home. 
My whole life I thought that earning favor with God was like what I did and what I didn't do. It wasn't until I was a teenager that I realized that God didn't care about any of that. He's like a father that loves a son and just had a deep love for me. He loved me so much in spite of all my mistakes, all my failures, all the things I wish I could do over. He just loved me. He oversaw it all. And in his love, he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sin. And John 3, 16 tells us, if you believe that God loves you, you believe that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sin, it's as simple as this, that you'll have everlasting life and you'll have life to the full here on earth. Like, that's my story. Like, I'm a guy who's trying to figure it out, raise three kids and have a great wife, and, but I need a savior. And knowing that there's a God in heaven who loves me and has a plan for me and has a vision for me that I, sometimes I can't even see. But I need him. That's my story. What's your story? What's your message? What's the message of hope that, that you have? And your message is your message. No one else has your message. No one else has my message. But here's what I want us to get, gang. That God has strategically placed us right here, right now, in this moment, he strategically placed us with the people around us, this place, and the passions inside of us. Not for ourselves, not to make our, our name famous, but that we can make a difference on the world around us. And the only difference that this world needs is that Jesus has a plan and a future for them, and they don't have to keep on doing life by themselves, and they don't have to live in frustration and depression and discouragement, that there's a God who loves them and has a plan for them, that they'll just say yes to Jesus, that they can do more than they could ever dream. And that's the message of hope that we have, and that's the, the message that we can take to our community, that will break down every racial divide, that will break down every discouragement that we see, that Jesus is a God who loves us and has a plan for us, like, that's how we make a difference. I don't know about you, I'm so thankful that he's given us this call and this plan because we don't have to live life for ourselves. At the end of our life, we can look back and say, God, you have strategically placed all of these things. You've given us this plan and this, this place and this message and these people. That's for you and for your glory. It's your story, friends. Who are your people? Who are your people? Where's your place? And what is your passion? What's the fire in your belly? Like God's done that. He wants us to live this life of greater things. Will you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment as we end our service tonight, or this morning? Matthew tells us that we are, Jesus says that we are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be shaken. In the same way, Jesus says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see that will make our name famous, not that people will say, wow, look at him, look at her. Let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That's how we make a difference. with your people, with your place, 
with your passion. So God, Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, we just have hearts of gratitude this morning. And we just say, wow. Like you have given us such influence. Like, wow, thank you. Thank you for the people that you've placed in our life and the, and the position, the job, and the school that we're in. And thank you for the passions and the fire that's inside of us. Thank you for that. You've done that. Thank you. And Lord, we know that you're not calling us just to do nothing with it, not to be just words on a page and scriptures in our Bible, but you're calling us to, to take action, to live a life, to make a difference. So Lord, we just take delight in you. We hold nothing back. We praise you. We worship you. I pray that you'll give us the desire of our heart. You'll give us the want. You'll give us the vision to make a difference, to change our world, to live this life of greater things. We praise you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us?